name of the message is the day the Lord has made. The day the Lord has made. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 118. 118. Psalm 118. Now this, this is a wonderful psalm. It's so rich with Christ. and speaks of the believer's one confidence. The believer's one confidence, which is Jehovah. And how his steadfast love and mercy towards his people, it endures forever. It's unchanging. It's unchanging because God never changes. So his steadfast love to his people never changes. Never changes, endures forever. And the the great scope of this psalm, as, as Hawker brings forth, is to manifest what confidence there is to trust in Jehovah. At all times, at all times, and upon all occasions, Hawker says. And so we see then that this applies to all believers, to all believers, as our trust and our rest is Christ, and Christ alone, who again is God manifested in the flesh. So let's read the first four verses with this in our minds. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. He repeats it twice. And here we go. And let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. So the psalmist brings forth here four times that God's mercy endures forever. Forever. And we who are his people, we know this to be true, don't we? We know this to be true in good times, and we know this to be true in bad times. We know this to be true in times of joy, and we know this to be true in times of sorrow. We know this to be true, that God's mercy towards his people endureth forever. Forever. Again, it's unchanging. Because our great God never changes. And every born-again man and woman may find in the history of our own lives enough to demand the unceasing tribute of praise to our great God. For as the psalmist brings forth here, God's mercy endureth forever. Each one of us who are born again can look in our lives and say, God's mercy endureth forever. Forever. Oh my. He's had such mercy upon us. And his mercy is eternal mercy. Because he's the eternal one. His love and his grace is also eternal. And it's been set upon his people from eternity. From eternity. Now mercy is part of God's goodness. And God's mercy is something that concerns his people because we're sinners. And what do we have great need of? Mercy. I have great need of mercy. Do you? I do. Oh my and so when I read these verses that God's mercy endureth forever and knowing that speaking to, about his people and knowing that his mercy endureth forever towards me or towards you who are his blood-bought people in Christ, oh, does it not lift our hearts in joy? 
It fills our hearts, our lips with praise too, doesn't it? Glory to his name. The elect angels may say that God is good, but, but they don't need his mercy. So they cannot delight in his mercy as the blood-washed saints of God can. We delight in his mercy because we're sinners, saved by the grace of God. And as Paul wrote, we have obtained what? Mercy. Mercy. God's people have obtained mercy. So we've tasted this mercy. And look at this. This mercy endureth forever. Forever. We delight in God's goodness. We delight in God's mercy because we've been graciously forgiven all our sins in Christ. In Christ. So divine mercy when we read about divine mercy and when we see it brought forth in Scripture, again, it, it fills our souls and our lips with praise to our great God. Now, earthly joys may pass away. Earthly joys may pass away. But this joy is enduring. Because this mercy is enduring. It's eternal. And I'll tell you what, when we get the glory, we'll be singing his praises. We'll be, we'll be singing his praises for that mercy that we've received in Christ, just like we sing right now on this earth about the mercy that we've received in Christ. But then we're singing it without sin. Won't that be glorious? What a glorious day that'll be. So think of this. You who are the beloved of God, there is absolutely no change to God's mercy towards you. No change. His mercy towards his people endureth forever. Forever. God's not going to say, well, you blew it over here. I'm not going to show you mercy anymore. No. There's sins and iniquities I will remember. No more. That's mercy. Isn't that mercy? That's wonderful. That's mercy. And all that mercy comes to us in and through Christ and Christ alone. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Oh my. Think of this too. God was faithful to his elect in ages past. He was merciful to his people in ages past. And, and he's merciful today to we who are his people. Isn't he? He's merciful today. Just like he was merciful to the elect in the past, he's merciful to the elect today who are on this earth. And you know what? Now we're called the sons of God. That's mercy. Now we're adopted by God. That's mercy. Now we're redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. That's mercy. Paul again said, I've obtained mercy. Ah, and we're singing, we're singing God's mercy in eternity, beloved. Oh, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. He gets all the glory, as Brother Tim said. He gets all the honor. He gets all the praise. We come here to hear about Christ and to glorify Him. He gets it all. He gets it all. He's done everything. He's saved our souls. Now think about this, too, that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is the grand incarnation of mercy. He's the grand incarnation of mercy. Like I said, He's truth incarnate. He's mercy incarnate, too, beloved. He is. 
He came here to what? To save his people from their sins. He came here willingly. Is that not mercy for we who are sinners? Oh my. We who are redeemed, we who are born again, we who have been saved, we call upon him with our lips, don't we? We praise him and it's brought to remembrance what he's done for us and, and, and we say praise God for your mercy towards us. Praise God for your mercy towards us. And we say he's good. God's good. All the time, isn't he? I like Brother Norman and I were talking one time. I said, oh, God's so good. He goes, all the time, brother. Yeah, all the time. All the time. He's good. He's good. Look at this now. Let's read verses 5 to 20. But let's keep our eyes looking to Christ and take note of the instruction in these verses for the believer. Verses 5 to 20. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. There's a, there's a key verse right there, beloved. See, I mentioned this in Sunday school, the the saying of God has no confidence in the flesh, do we? No confidence in ourselves. And look what the scripture says here. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes and leaders. All nations compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. Every believer can say that. Hey, the Lord is is my strength. He's my song. He's my salvation. Oh, and again, think of this. His mercy endureth forever. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord... Do it valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them. I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. Now the gate of the Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Christ, beloved. The Messiah. Messiah. In verse 22, he's spoken of as the stone rejected by the builders and made the head of the corner. It's Christ and Christ alone who is the salvation of his people. He's the only salvation we have. He's the only way of access to God the Father. He's the door into the church or the sheepfold. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. He's the straight gate that leads to eternal life. And none are righteous outside of Christ. Have you ever thought of that? None are righteous outside of Christ. Because all outside of Christ are clothed in their own filthy righteousness. But in Christ, the believer is clothed in the perfect spotless righteousness of Christ. John chapter 10. In 
God's people. God's people are made righteous by Christ, and then again we have access to God through, through Christ. And the only way we can get into heaven is, is by Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And God's people are made righteous. How? By having the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. Our sins were laid upon Christ, imputed to him, and, and his perfect spotless righteousness is imputed to us. Wonder of wonders. Look at this though in John chapter 10 verse 1. The Lord says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up the other way, the same as a thief and a robber. There is only one way into the sheepfold. There is only one way. This truth is brought forth in verses 7 to 9. Look at this. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now how many doors in a day do we walk through? We have a picture of the gospel right before us. We walk through so many doors, don't we? So if, if we want to get outside, we've got to walk through two doors. But there's only one door to heaven. Just like there was only one door in the ark. Right? And all who were in the ark were safe. Well, there's only one door into this sheepfold. Into God's sheepfold. And he says, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came after me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear him. Look at verse 9. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. There. Salvation's in Christ and Christ alone. Nowhere else. And look at that. Look how sure that is. He shall be saved. Any man or woman who puts their trust in Christ shall be saved. Shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. And all the green pastures of this word, beloved. This is sheep food. And it tells us all about Christ, doesn't it? All about Him. Let's go back to our psalm. Psalm 118, we'll read verses 21 to 29. Psalm 118, we'll read verses 21 to 29. I will praise Thee, for Thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in his eyes, or in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be, the, be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of our house out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even under the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Closes with those wonderful words again. Today we'll look at verses 22 and 29 and, 
And we see this phrase, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Now, this is not speaking of today. We'll see as we study these words, which these scriptures which magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, it's speaking of when, it's not speaking of when someone gets up in the morning and says, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We'll be glad and rejoice in it. It's not a bad thing to say that, though, is it? Not a bad thing to say, but it's not speaking of that. It's, it's true that every day is the day the Lord made, and it's true that we should rejoice in that. But some people in religious circles use this phrase to show their supposed piety when trouble or misfortune comes, and, and then they forget about it. Well, this is how we should be all the time, eh, really. We should give praise to God all the time for each day we have. But let's read the verses 21 to 24 again. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, this day spoken of in the verse is the Lord, day of the Lord's coming. Also the day of his rejection, his sacrifice, his resurrection, and his exaltation. It speaks of, of the Lord. It speaks of what he did. It speaks of what he did. And God's people rejoice and are glad in it. Do we not rejoice at his incarnation? Yes. Do we not rejoice at he, him being the great substitute for our sins? Absolutely. Do we not rejoice at his resurrection and exaltation into heaven? Absolutely. Are we not glad of that? Absolutely. We are, aren't we? Fills our hearts with joy. Fills our hearts with joy. Oh, my. Turn to Acts chapter 4, if you would. Acts chapter 4. And then put your finger in Romans chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and Romans chapter 4. And look what P Peter says here, what he proclaims in Acts chapter 4 and verses 10 and 11. And we know that this is by, again, inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Acts chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Be it known unto you all, and all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone, being Christ, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Now turn to Romans. Now turn to Romans. Now Abraham, by God, was, was given faith to first see Christ, to look to Christ coming into the world and dying on the cross for sinners. And he saw it by divine revelation, beloved. With the eye of faith, though. He saw, believed, rejoiced, and was glad. I was talking to someone this week, and they said, well, the Old Testament saints didn't have the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, then, how were they saved? You must be born again. Do you know the Holy, the Holy Spirit regenerated the Old Testament saints like he regenerates us? They were given faith to believe, weren't they? Right? What comes first, faith or regeneration? Well, regeneration. <laughs> you must be born again. They looked by faith to Christ, and that faith was given to them by God. 
By God. Look at this in Romans chapter 4. Look at verses 17 to 22. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as they were. God quickens the dead. They're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We were dead spiritually, physically alive, but dead spiritually. Who against hope believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations, according to which to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. This is speaking of Abraham. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered now at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. <laughs> Beloved, he looked to Christ. Giving glory to God. What does God's blood-bought people do? Well, we look to Christ, and what do we do? We give glory to God, don't we? We give him all the glory. And being fully persuaded that which he had promised, he was able also to perform. We believe God. We trust him. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. The same righteousness that was imputed to us is imputed to Abraham. Every single one of God's blood-bought people are clothed in the perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ. And they are called the elect of God the elect of God. And they all glorify God and they all give him the glory and honor and praise. Every one of them. So Abraham saw Christ's day by faith. By faith. In type and by special revelation. Now listen to what the Lord said of Abraham in the book of John. When the Lord says, my day, he's speaking of Abraham looking by faith to the day of Christ's incarnation. In the day of his death upon the cross. He said, the Lord said this, the master said this, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He looked to Christ. And he saw it and was glad. And was glad. So the first point I'd like us to consider in light of this day spoken of in verse 24 is the day of Christ's incarnation. The day of his coming into this world. The day of his coming into this world. Look at verses, verse 26 of Psalm 118. Speaks of our Lord coming into this world. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. What a glorious day. What a glorious day that was when God himself came into this world. What a glorious day. Fully God and yet fully man. Born a king. Not made a king by men, but born a king. He was a king in glory. He is a king while he's on this earth. And beloved, he's a king right now. Ruling in majesty and power and glory right this second. And each second that will come until he tarries. He rules and reigns, beloved. Can you and I understand this? Can, can you and I fathom this wonderful truth, this, this great mystery? Listen to what the scriptures put. Actually, let's turn there. First Timothy. First Timothy. And then put your finger in Luke chapter 2. I know I've got us doubling up here today. First Timothy in Luke chapter 2. Listen to the listen to what we, we 
We try to understand with our finite minds, don't we? And we, we know with what little light the Lord's given us. And it, it absolutely fills us with awe that God himself became a man to redeem me, to purchase my eternal soul, to pay for my sins and for yours on Calvary's cross. That just leaves us in awe. Look at this. 1 Timothy 3.16. 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, the Word of God, the second person in the Trinity, was manifest in the flesh. This is a statement. Men may mock and men may say what they want, but the truth is proclaimed here in the Scripture. God was manifest in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and what? And received up the glory. Received up the glory. Now by faith, you and I who are God's people, we behold our great King's incarnation with wonder and awe. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And listen to the words of our dear brother Simeon about Christ's incarnation. We know that Christ was promised in the Old Testament, that he was prophesied to be coming in the Old Testament. He was pictured. He was pictured in types and shadows all through the Old Testament. Christ himself, we saw in Sunday school, proclaimed that the law and the prophets, they testified of him, of him. In wonder of wonders, the day came when God was manifest in the flesh. That day that was appointed by God. That day that was appointed by God. And what a day this was. And truly the born-again, blood-washed believer can say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Are you glad about Christ's incarnation? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's when my Savior was born into this world. That's when God was manifest in the flesh and great is the mystery of godliness. Look at this in Luke chapter 2, verses 29 to 32. Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For in mine eyes, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now we look by faith, don't we? Our eyes see Christ by faith. He saw him face to face. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, singular, thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles in the glory of thy people Israel. Oh my. In God's preachers we proclaim that our Lord came here to save his people from their sins. And praise be to God, he did it. He did it. And he will come again. He will come again. He'll come again. Oh, and what a hope we have. Rejoice, saints of God. Rejoice. What a hope we have in Christ. Rejoice in the fact that he's given you an interest in him. Rejoice that you can say his mercy endureth forever. Forever. Oh, my. And so in light of the incarnation of Christ, let's read the psalmist's words again. In light of the incarnation of Christ, let's read Psalm 118, verse 23. In light of the incarnation of Christ, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. 
Is not the incarnation of Christ marvelous in your eyes? Absolutely marvelous. <laughs> Words can't express it, can it? Oh my. Now let us consider the day of Christ's rejection. Look at verse 22 in Psalm 118. The stone which the builders refused has become the head, stone of the corner. Now we saw in the book of Acts how Peter brought forth that this speaks of Christ. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. This speaks of Christ. Peter brought that forth in the book of Acts in chapter 4. He was rejected by the builders, which is the Jews, or the leaders of the nation of Israel. And listen to what falls when our Lord proclaimed to the Jews that Abraham rejoiced to see his day. I read part of this earlier, but I want to read us. Look at John eight fifty-seven to 59. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I send you before Abraham was, I am. Oh my. I love this portion. I love this. He, he just laid it right out there, didn't he? He proclaimed that he's the great I am. Before Abraham was, I am. What, and, and what's the reaction? Well, they hate him, don't they? They reject him. Look what they do. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Oh, my. And they persistently refused him. Turn, if you would, over one more chapter to John chapter 7. They, they persistently refused him. They sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. And that's what we just saw there in John chapter 8 too. His hour has not yet come. Look at John 7 verse 31 and 32. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more, more miracles than these which this man hath done? The Pharisees heard that. And the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And remember, our text said, the stone which the builders refuse has become the head of the headstone of the corner. Wow. Look at verses 33 and 34. Then said Jesus unto them, look at his response. Yet a little while am I with you, and then, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. Oh my. So the rejection of Christ was violent rejection. They were not satisfied just to reject him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. And this rejection was unreasonable because he's perfect. He's sinless. His works are all good. Are all good. Our Lord said this in John chapter 10. He said, I and my Father are one. And then what did the Jews? What's the reaction of the Jews? Well, it says in verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone them. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> my. And then our Lord asked them a question. Listen to what he asked them in verse 32 of John chapter 10. He says this, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? 
this hatred is unreasonable in the sense that he's absolutely perfect. He's sinless. He's spotless. He's going about doing the Father's work. But you see, natural man hates Christ. Natural man hates the things of Christ. And these men, as we looked at in Sunday school, are the blind leading the blind. He was hated without a cause, beloved. He was hated without a cause. He's God incarnated in the flesh. He's one with the Father. And they had absolutely no clue who he was. Look at verse 33 of John 10. It says, Then the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not. Well, they couldn't find any fault in the works that he'd done. But for blasphemy, and for because thou being a man, make us all yourself God. He's God incarnated in the flesh. And they have absolutely... No idea. He's speaking truth to them. And these men who searched the scriptures, and they had no idea who he was. Oh my. How blind. How, how dark is the darkness that we're in in our natural state, beloved. It just shows you the depravity of man. And we were in that state. But we've tasted that God's mercy endureth forever, haven't we? He took us out of that state. Praise his name. Praise his name. And we believe what the scriptures declare. The Lord was a tried stone, beloved. He's a precious stone. And he's the great foundation stone in which we rest and trust. The scripture says this in Isaiah 28, verse 16. It says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion, for a foundation, a stone. God, this is God's doing. It says, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. A tried stone. And our Lord was tried, wasn't he? Tried and tested and tempted yet without sin. Perfect, spotless, perfect. A precious cornerstone. And oh, is he not precious to us who are his people? Is he not precious? A sure foundation. Child of God, your hope in Christ rests on a sure foundation. A sure foundation. God himself. Our hope, our eternal souls, we rest our eternal souls on a sure foundation. Christ. Oh, what a foundation. A sure foundation. He that believeth, he that believeth shall not make haste. Thy people shall be willing in a day of thy power. And we flee to Christ, don't we? Our sure hope and our rest, beloved. Now let us consider the day of sacrifice. The day of sacrifice. Look at Psalm 118, verse 27. I had Brother Tim read that That story about Abraham with Isaac. Oh my, what a picture of Christ. God shall himself provide a lamb. And he did. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his name. Oh, look at this in Psalm 118, verse 27. God is the Lord which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar. Bind the sacrifice. Now our Lord, he went willingly to the cross, beloved. 
He went willingly to the cross. He went willingly to redeem his people from their sins. He came into this world willingly, and he lived the perfect life before God willingly as our substitute, and he willingly went to that cross, beloved. John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now look at verse 27. God is the Lord which has showed us light, buying the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Bind with cords, all beloved. Our Lord was bound with the cord of the justice of God, satisfying God's justice in our place at Calvary's cross. And our Lord was bound with the cord of the holiness of God, with the cord of the truth of God, with the cord of the immutability of God. He, the sinless one, dies in the place of his people. In the place of his people. We, we who are sinners, we who are in desperate need of salvation. And our Lord dies in our place. And our Lord again was a, a willing sacrifice, bound with the cords of the mercy of God. Bound with the cords of the mercy of God and the grace of God and the love of God. As the great substitute dies in the place of his people. The sinless one dies for sinners. Dies for his bride. Dies for all who were given to him by the Father in eternity. And mark this. The wrath of God is poured out upon him. That which was justly deserving us is poured out upon him. Our Lord told his disciples from that time forth beginning, began Jesus to show his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew what awaited And he did that to redeem us. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Marvel over these words before us. The words of the Master. Marvel over the voice from heaven. John chapter 12, verses 23 to 28. Look at this. And Jesus answered him. John twelve twenty three. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corner of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit, and when Christ died, he redeemed a people that no man can number, beloved. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, 
Him will my Father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour for from this hour, but for this cause came I into this came I unto this hour. Look at that. Willing. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. See, the Father was glorified in the death of Christ because he redeemed his people from their sins. And again, I'll say this and I'll just keep saying this. The greatest manifestation of love was manifested at Calvary's cross when Christ died for his people, sent there by the Father. My, marvel at this. He's a, he's a willing sacrifice. He who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He who planned and purposed this. Came to die in our place. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, look at that, listen to that, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, Hebrews 12, 2. So in light of the sacrifice of Christ, listen to the psalmist's words then. In light of the day of the sacrifice of Christ, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Now let us consider the day of our Lord's resurrection. Let's go back to Psalm 118. The day of our Lord's resurrection and exaltation. Look at, look at verse 22 again. The stone which the builders refused is what? Become the headstone of the corner. All the day of our Lord's resurrection and exaltation, he's become the headstone. The very one they refused has become the headstone of the corner. The stone which the builders refused has now become the headstone. Christ is the foundation stone of the church. It is he who we are built upon, a holy temple. We are living living stones fitly framed in him. Scripture declares, for other foundation can no man lay than that what that is laid, which is Christ Jesus, which is Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. Peter says this, Blessed be the Father and God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, there's the mercy again of God, hath begotten us again into a lively hope, that means a living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our foundation stone is a living stone. Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then look at verse 23 again in Psalm 118. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. I ask you who are redeemed. Is not this work of the Lord marvelous in your eyes? 
Is not this work that Christ done for you and for me, if you're his people, is it not marvelous in your eyes? It's marvelous. It's marvelous because we know we don't merit this grace, this mercy which we've received in Christ. And it's absolutely marvelous to know that Christ did this willingly for me and for you. My, what a Savior. What a God. What a Redeemer. And remember, He's a sure foundation. He's a sure foundation. I'll read that verse in Isaiah again. If you want to turn there, you can. Isaiah, let's turn there. Isaiah 28, 16. Look at this. Oh my. And think of this. The rejected one, the rejected one is now the resurrected one. My. The rejected one is now the, the cornerstone. The foundation of all the church, of all the elect, of all the ages. He was bought low, but now he's exalted. Now he's exalted. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a stone, a tried stone, the precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Beloved, the one who hung on the cross now sits on the throne of majesty, ruling and reigning. Ruling and reigning. And let we who are redeemed marvel in the fact that our God has revealed Christ to us. That we have an interest in Christ. A saving interest. Not just an interest, but a saving interest. And we look to him by faith, don't we? Let's go back to Psalm 118. And this faith is a gift from God. And look at, read verse 23 in light of this. Knowing that our faith is a gift of God, knowing that, that we are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, knowing that salvation is of the Lord. Look at verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And then look at verse 27. God is the Lord which has showed us what? Light. He's revealed Christ to us, beloved. He's revealed Christ to us. And oh, what a day of rejoicing it was when Christ was revealed to us, wasn't it? What a day of rejoicing it was when Christ revealed himself to us. Oh my. And what do we continue to do? Now is the blood-bought people of God. Well, we rejoice still, don't we? Even now, we continue to rejoice. Oh, my. We continue to rejoice. Look at verses 24, 26, and 28. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We rejoice in the, the day of Christ's incarnation. We rejoice in the day of Christ's sacrifice. And we rejoice in the day of his exaltation. Being risen from the grave. 
for our justification. Then look at verse 26. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. And then look at verse 28. Thou art my God. I will praise thee. He's our God, isn't he? And God's people proclaim that he's our God. Thou art my God. I will exalt thee. We give him all the glory. We give him all the glory. So each day for the blood-washed, born-again believer is a day of thanksgiving, isn't it? It's a day of thanksgiving. Consider the last verse in light of that. Look at verse 29. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Forever. Give thanks to the God the Father. Give thanks to God the Holy Spirit. And give thanks to God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the great three-in-one. Why? Because his mercy endureth forever, forever. Let's turn to Psalm 100, and we're close reading this. These five verses, we're close with this. In light of giving thanks unto our Lord, in light of giving thanks unto our Lord, Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. He is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Oh, God's people, we have much to be thankful for, don't we? Unto our great God. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And we say, praise his holy name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. This gospel is still being proclaimed. And it will keep being proclaimed until the day our Lord comes back, beloved. Glory to his name. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather together and allowing us to look into thy word. And Lord, oh, we praise thee for the day of thy incarnation, knowing that you came to save us from our sins. And we praise thee for the day of thy sacrifice, knowing that you died for our sins, fully paying all that was demanded and cried, it is finished. And we praise thee, O Lord, for the day of thy exaltation, the day that you rose for our justification from the grave. Let we who are your people be a thankful people, O Lord. Fill our hearts and lips with praise, O Lord. And in times of sorrow and trouble and trial, Lord, manifest your presence with us. Let us know that you are ever with us, ever with us. Even though we may be weeping or we may be sad or we may be going through a tough time, Lord, you are ever with your people. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we praise your mighty name for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing 110, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. 110. Let's stand up and sing. 110.